Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Moses is saying, there's coming a man on the scene that God is going to raise up for you, Israel. And again, this is a prophetic passage, and he's speaking to them about something that's not going to happen for several hundred, even a few thousand years down the road. He's speaking of Jesus Christ. And he says, he'll come from your midst, from your brethren. So he's going to be from the Jewish line. He's not going to be coming from the Levitical line. Otherwise, Moses was a Levite, if you recall. Notice that God didn't say to tell Moses that God was going to raise up a prophet from the Levites. No, he said, from your brethren, because Jesus came through the line of Judah, didn't he? The Lord will raise up a new prophet like Moses. Hi, and thank you for joining us today on Truth in Christ Radio. Pastor Rob finishes the final part of chapter 18 of the book of Deuteronomy with another prophetic message from God to the nation of Israel. God tells his people that he will raise up a new prophet in the future. God promises to put his words in this prophet's mouth. This prophecy is not only for Israel, but also for us in the future. This prophet is none other than Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He will be our Savior. Here's Pastor Rob with today's message. Uh, Let's open up our Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 18. If you remember last week, we were looking at Deuteronomy chapter 17, and we got into verse 14 through the end of chapter 17. And if you recall the Deuteronomy is very prophetic. There are a lot of prophetic uh, passages, uh, script, you know, verses and chapters in the book of Deuteronomy. It's, it's loaded with prophecy. And we looked last week at uh, principles governing kings, verses 14 through the end, and we, we looked at how uh, Moses, by the Spirit of God, was writing down things that hadn't even happened yet, but God always knew the heart of his people. He, he knows the heart of every single person. Nothing surprises him. So he can speak in advance to the nature of man. It surprises us sometimes when we step off in an area of disobedience, but it doesn't surprise God. He's not taken aback by our acts of disobedience or our acts of sin. He knows very well what we're made of, and he knows what we're not made of. That's why we need a new nature. That's why we need to be born again, as the Bible says. That's why Jesus had to say to a very religious man, Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you're a member of the Sanhedrin. You're a Pharisee. You've got all the religious trappings, and you've got the, the, you know, the respect and the admiration of, of most men in Israel, but you lack the most important thing, and that is the very Spirit of God. Because without the Spirit of God in you, you are not a child of God. It doesn't matter how much money you've given to the church. It doesn't matter how many good deeds that you've done. If you don't have the Spirit of God indwelling you, you are none of his. 
That's what Jesus said. So it's important that we are born again, and it's simply born from above. We receive Christ by faith, and the Holy Spirit indwells us. And he says, he will never leave you nor forsake you. And you'll know when you're born again because your, your, your appetites, your desires are going to change. For me, they were like that. Some people, they're on a slow burn. And one day they just wake up and they're like, man, everything in my life is, I feel so differently about everything now. And as they read the Bible, the Bible's transforming, the Word of God is transforming them, and they're different than when they, than three weeks ago. Then, you know, but for me, it was a fast burn. For me, it was like a volcano, a nuclear bomb went off in my life, and the Lord just scorched up everything. <laughs> and, um, and that's the way it was for me, but everybody's different. But when we get into this passage today, just like last week, it is very prophetic. And so we looked at... Uh, Deuteronomy 17, and we looked at the prophetic nature of Saul and Solomon. God, again, knowing the hearts of these men and what they were going to do, and God giving uh, foreknowledge because he's omniscient, right? And he's omnipresent, which is an, an omnipotent. And those are the three attributes that only God alone has. Satan is not omnipresent. Satan is om- not omniscient, and he's not omnipotent. He's none of those things. Those are three qualities that only God, the Father, God, the Spirit, God, the Son have. No other being in the universe has those attributes. And that's what makes God's, uh, who God is, is very unfair to the devil. Can you imagine how unfair it is for him? Because God is like, he knows the end from the beginning. He knows everything in between. He knows my thoughts afar off. Have you read Psalm 139? I love that psalm. Because it just talks about God's omniscience. He knows my very thoughts. Read it tonight. Psalm 139. And it just speaks, God knows my thoughts afar off. He knows the very words I'm going to speak tomorrow. The very thing I'm going to think about three years from now. And this very moment, this very day, this very time. At 735, two years, three years from now, four years from now, if the Lord tarries, and I hope he doesn't. He knows exactly what I'm going to be speaking about, exactly what I'm thinking. He's going to know exactly what's going on. And see, he is the divine chess player. And who is there in all of his creation that can say checkmate to God? No one. It's really unfair. He's already checkmated you. He's already checkmated the enemy. And yet, think of the madness and the futility of trying to play chess with God. And that's really what the devil is doing. He's trying to block, and he's trying to do things, and you'd think that he would just give up because he certainly knows the being who he's dealing with because Satan is a created being. He's not an angel that was like God is uncreated. He is the only uncreated one. Everything else was created. Satan himself, it says in Ezekiel 38, was a created being. In Isaiah 20, um, um, yeah, I'm drawing a blank there, but it's in Isaiah I think it's, boy, my my brain just went crazy. But anyway, he is none of those things, the devil. And so it's very frustrating for him. Can you imagine? And yet God, in his grace and his mercy, he saw you afar off. And it wasn't a problem for him to, to hang there on the cross, even though he knew what it would cost him. He knew the separation that he would have from his father. And through all of that, he says, you know what? It was so worth it because he looked down through the eons of time And he sees a remnant, and this remnant is huge, and it includes all of us if you're born again. It includes all of us, and it puts a smile on the face of God. He said, that is so worth it. Even if it was only one soul, this would be worth it. 
because Jesus knows what hell is. He knows who is there, who's going to be there. He created it. He designed it. He knows what it is and what it encompasses. And he doesn't want you to be there. He doesn't want anybody to be there. Isn't that what the Bible says? It's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, to turn away from our sin. And so anyway, it's a very prophetic book. And so let's look at, um, we're going to be looking at the chapter 18, beginning in verse 15. Last week we, um, we also got into, uh, actually I think I was wrong, I think it was last week we looked in um, the first uh, 14 verses, pardon me, it was the week prior we got into 17, so anyway, you know what I'm talking about. We looked at, in chapter 18, the, the roles of the, of the Levites and the things that God would give to them as a result of their service. And whatever God demands of you, he is going to provide for you. If he's called you to a certain ministry, he's going to make sure that you're equipped for that ministry. He's going to give you the desire for that ministry. It's going to be the kind of thing where you're going to love what you do. You know, that's how you know you're in the center of God's will, because you are like a kid in a candy store. You are loving life, and you're loving everything he's doing. That's the way I feel right now. I, I couldn't foresee the meandering of my life that he was doing to get me to where, where I am. And I'm just like, we're, we're all the same, right? But I am so blessed because I get to do what I, I, I get to do. I do. I, I'm like a kid in a candy store, and I love it. And it's wonderful. And, and so he does that with the Levites. He, he provides for them, and he shows the means of that. And then finally in verse 9, we look at wicked customs, and we look at um, witchcraft and idolatry and these things that they were warned to not get involved in. And we looked at um, Ahaz and Manasseh, if you remember, and how they were uh, the results of, of this prophecy. God told them exactly what they need to be aware of, and certainly enough, there was Ahaz and Manasseh and many others that engaged in those practices. But now we get into verse 15 tonight. And verse 15 down through verse 19 are really prophetic of Jesus Christ. And we're going to see that. So let's just read it straight through uh, from 15 to 19. It says, The Lord your God will raise up you uh, for you a prophet like me. In fact, underline the word prophet. Notice it has a capital P, okay? There's a capital P there. Underline that word prophet. So it says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. So Moses is speaking to them, and he's speaking to them before they cross over the Jordan and go in to inherit the land, right? The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. Him you shall hear according to all you desired of the Lord your God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, let not let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see his great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, What they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet. Underline that word and notice that it has a capital P. Like you from among your brethren, and will put my words, notice this, in his mouth. This prophet God is going to raise up in the, in the future. God's going to put his words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him, and it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, notice, I will require it of him. And so let's go back to verse 15. So the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. So 
Moses is saying, there's coming a man on the scene that God is going to raise up for you, Israel. And again, this is a prophetic passage, and he's speaking to them about something that's not going to happen for several hundred, even a few thousand years down the road. He's speaking of Jesus Christ. And he says, he'll come from your midst, from your brethren. So he's going to be from the Jewish line. He's not going to be coming from the Levitical line. Otherwise, Moses was a Levite, if you recall. Notice that God didn't say, to tell Moses that God was going to raise up a prophet from the Levites. No, he said, from your brethren, because Jesus came through the line of Judah, didn't he? Through Judah, down through the, the, the Judea, uh, Judah line, uh, through King David, and, and then to, on to Jesus Christ, through Jesus' caregiver, Joseph. Right? He wasn't his real father, but he was a caregiver. From your midst, from your brethren, him you shall hear. Verse 16, according to all you desired of the Lord your God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see this great fire anymore, lest I die. You know, so you underline those two words, right? Prophet, with a capital P. We're going to come back to that. But what is the role of a prophet? You know, when you look through the scripture, you find that usually God's prophets will foretell things. They will share things to come. And that's certainly a role of a prophet. But a prophet will also bring warning. He'll also bring warning, and he'll also bring uh, correction, or sometimes, and more often, pronounce judgment, about judgment that is coming, impending judgment. And we see that in the prophet Jonah. He went to the town of Nineveh in Assyria and pronounced judgment on that city, that great city in Assyria. And what happened when he did, this reluctant prophet who tried to escape and get into a boat and head off to Spain or off off in that direction, God causes a tempest in the Mediterranean. They kick him off the boat. He gets swallowed by the fish, preserving his life, by the way. Do you think God was angry with Jonah? I think God may have been frustrated with a little bit with Jonah, but was God going to smoke him and, and kill him because he was reluctant to share the message that God had given to him? No, if he wouldn't, if, if, he, if he was mad at him, he wouldn't have prepared a great fish. Noah, or, uh, Jonah would have been tossed overboard, and he would have died out there and perished in the Mediterranean. But notice the salvation of God. He created a great fish, and that fish is like Christ to him. And he was in the belly of that fish three and three days and three nights, just as Jesus was buried three days and three nights in the earth. What about Isaiah, him prophesying to Israel, telling, him, telling them of all of the idolatry that they were engaged in and the judgment to come, purposing in all of his heart God was trying to convince them of their idolatry and to turn away from their idolatry. And he did the same with Jeremiah the prophet to the southern two tribes before the Babylonian exile. And what about John the Baptist? What was his ministry? Repent, repent, and be baptized. That was his message, a message of repentance. And then we even see King David, certainly the king of Israel, certainly the sweet psalmist of Israel, but also a prophet himself. And you look at Psalm 16 or Psalm 22 or Psalm 68 and 69 or Psalm 110. All of these are prophetic scriptures, prophetic psalms of this one that's coming, this Messiah, this Mashiach Magid, this great king of Israel, this Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ And David, 700 years before Jesus would be incarnate through the Virgin Mary, these things were prophesied of. But this word prophet, you'll notice in verse 15 and verse 18, 
And also look over in verse 20, just while you're at it here. We're gonna, we'll come back here, but notice in verse 20, it says, but the prophet. Now, I want you to underline that word, and you'll notice that it's not capitalized, right? Underline that word. Now, all three of these words, verse 15, verse 18, and verse 20, they all say prophet, and they all mean the same thing in the Hebrew. It's the same exact word. But the reason why those first two are capitalized is the translators of the New King James Version Bible and also the authorized version or the King James Version, they capitalize the P because it's speaking of an individual rather than an office. Do you notice that? Notice verse 15. It says, the Lord your God will raise up to you a prophet. This is a specific person that he's referring to. In verse 18, and and I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren. Again, it's, it's a specific individual, a prophet. There's a definite article there, a prophet. And notice what it says in verse 20, the prophet who presumes. So it's not, really not speaking about this Jesus anymore. It's just speaking of but the prophet. It's speaking of the office now. Just, but the prophet who, you know, uh, who presumes to speak in my name. But he's not talking about the prophet, the one that is being prophesied of here, which we know is Jesus Christ. Now turn with me. Actually, you know what? I'm just going to read some verses. I would encourage you, just for the sake of time, just write these verses down, and I'm just going to read them to you. We'll be going to some passages. Some I'm just going to give to you because they go by pretty quickly, and it would take a lot of time for us to go to the Scriptures that I'm going to be referring to. But in Mark chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, you'll recall that even in the New Testament... The New Testament Jews knew of this prophet that we're talking about with a capital P. They knew of this scripture that we're reading tonight. Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. Every Jew knew that there was something specific, something unique about this prophet. They were waiting for this prophet. Many of them didn't know that Jesus Christ and the prophet were one and the same. And you're going to see that even as we read some of these scriptures in the New Testament. They had an idea that there was something about this prophet that's spoken of in this verse, but they didn't have complete clarity on it yet. And I think you'll see that. In Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 14, it says this. It says, King Herod heard of him, speaking of Jesus, for his name had become well known. And he said, John the Baptist is risen from the dead, and therefore these powers are at work in him. Others said, it is Elijah. And others said, it is the prophet or like one of the prophets. Now, if you under, I know you're not at that scripture, but when it says the prophet, this is what they're speaking of. They're speaking, they're hearkening back to this exact verse. Is this the prophet that was spoken of by Moses in Deuteronomy 18, verse 15? Was he somebody else? In John chapter 7, verse 40, you can write that scripture down. 40, John chapter 7, verses 40 through 43. It says, therefore, many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, they said, truly, this is the prophet, capital P. Again, hearkening back to this verse that we're looking at. So, therefore, many from the crowd, when they heard this saying of Christ, they said, truly, this is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. Little did they know that this is one and the same. One and the same. Yes, he is the Christ. Jesus is the Son of God. But he's more than just a, a, the Son of God. He's more than just the Messiah. He's more than just the Anointed One. He's more than, I am the door. He's more than, I am the first and the last. He's more than just the great I am. He's, you, you take all those titles that we have, they're very long, and they all mean something to him. They all describe a character. But he is a prophet. 
but more than a prophet. We know that he's much more than a prophet. And others said, this is the Christ. But some said, will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the scripture said that Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was a division among them, uh, among the people because of him. And what they failed to realize is that they thought he came from Galilee, and he certainly did come from Galilee, but they forgot his humble beginnings. They forgot that he was born in the city of David, that he was born in Bethlehem, which fulfilled all the scriptures in Micah 5 and all those other scriptures. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are the smallest of the cities of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth the, 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 the lawgiver, you know, the, the Christ, right? That's what Micah prophesied. And even they didn't quite get it. They forgot his, where he was born. They just saw him coming from Galilee. Well, he can't be a, the prophet because doesn't the Christ supposed to come from, you know, Bethlehem? Well, yeah, <laughs> he did. <laughs> but he also came from Nazareth after he uh, was older, and then finally in verse John, in John chapter 1, you remember the scribes and the Pharisees came to John, who was the forerunner of Christ. John was his cousin. He was six months older than Jesus was. And now he comes and he fulfills the prophecies in Isaiah chapter 40. And in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 21, so the scribes and the Pharisees, they come to John because he's baptizing there in the Jordan. And they said to him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet, capital P, the prophet? Are you the one back in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 5, that Moses, that God told us about? Are you the one? And he said, no. Then they said to him, who are you, that we may give an answer to those who have sent us? And what do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And here he's directly quoting from Isaiah. I am the one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now, there, now those who were sent were from the Pharisees, and they asked him, saying, well, why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? Notice that. Even they were ignorant of it. And, and I don't blame them that for that so much, because maybe they knew about the prophecies of Christ, but when they, they, they didn't understand that this prophet, that Deuteronomy that Moses was talking about here in this chapter we're looking at tonight, they thought maybe it was just a separate person. Are you that person? It does. It creates a quandary, doesn't it? Is he Christ or is he the prophet? Well, did it ever occur <laughs> that he's one and the same? And I can tell you that it is one and the same. Turn with me now to Acts chapter 3, because Peter, on the day of Pentecost, notice what he says. We're going to be picking up in verse 11. We're going to go right down through verse 23. But let's just read it because it's really fascinating. And toward the end of this passage, you're going to see something really cool. Acts chapter 3, verse 11. It says, Now as the lame man who was healed, he held unto Peter and John. All the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's. They were greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Verse 14, but you deny the Holy One and the just, and you ask for a murderer to be granted to you. In other words, Barabbas. And you killed the prince of life, whom God raised from the dead. Boy, you, what can man do to God? <laughs> you kill him, he's going to raise him again. 
You know, what, what, what futility, what madness. You killed the prince of life whom God raised up from the dead, of which we are witnesses. Notice that. Notice the boldness. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.